ask a question. If you've, if you've served in the, in, the, in the military in any branch of service, would you just stand for a second? You might serve. Just stand for a second. Stand up. All right. Hold it. Remain standing. Remain standing. Would you give my hand? Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. You see, you stood on a wall. And you have contributed to what we enjoy today. Do you realize in Cuba, they don't have church like we do. They don't have a church building. They don't have church roles. They have house churches where they meet and underground pretty much and, and worship quietly. Well, they may have a hundred people show up at them. But they don't have the freedom we have. What we enjoy and experience is so amazing here. It's because you took your turn on the wall, as so many others have. I, I want you to turn to the book of Psalms, the chapter 144. As you make your way there, I, the reason I, I've really been struck to, to share this message today is I begin to think back of how I grew up and how I and oftentimes, years past, celebrated Memorial Day. And I think, Lord, I, we need to be reminded of what's really important and what we don't forget. When I was a, uh, some of you may remember, I used to go to the store and buy these bags of army men. When I was a child, I played, you go buy these, get 100 army men, and they'd be one of one color and one of another. You could buy, uh, of course, if you wanted to reenact the Civil War in your living room or bedroom, you'd get blue and gray and do the Civil War. You could do World War II with, with, with green army guys versus gray army guys. And there were plastic figures and men had bazookas and rifles and, uh, and machine guns and pistols. And, and there was always one that was carrying a flag. And, and you'd, you'd set them up. You'd set up your strategy and you'd, you'd hide them and you'd play war. And you'd knock the guys down when they were shot with your finger. They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. And then after a while, you'd get tired of playing. You'd put them all back in the plastic bag. And on another day, you would dump the bag out and start all over. That's not how war is. In the first 100 years of our existence as a nation, six. 183,000 Americans lost their lives in war. First 100 years. 623,000 of those were in the Civil War. Most costly war we've ever had. To create a, a united nation. Once again. No, things weren't quite the same after that war. And not all the pieces of and not all the people were there. You go to the video games today and they have, you can play war on those. You have amazing technology. They can have such lifelike scenes and figures and, and using technology and, and all the things you can do to recreate a battlefield or, or any kind of uh, scenario for warfare. And it's incredible. It is so lifelike. And you can, you can demonstrate your skills and, and, and accuracy and, and, and strategy. But when it's all over and the game's over, you'll, you'll erase the board, you'll go back and you start the same level again and, and you'll use the same people again. War is not like that. In the second 100 years of our existence as a nation, 
We lost 626,000 lives in wars. World War II claiming over 400,000. Suppose the war to end all wars. I, I say that so you will understand some things we don't need, we should never forget. I know a long time has come and gone. But we should never forget. Don't forget that which is important. As we look at this, I want to see what David has to say about this. And as we begin in verse 1, this is David, King David at this point. He says, May the Lord my rock be praised, who trains my hands for battle and my fingers for warfare. Now, you need to understand what he just said. God has fashioned me to be a warrior king. He designed me. He, he, he established me and enabled me to be a great warrior. God, in his heart's desire, was to never have war. But because of the curse of sin that entered in the Garden of Eden and has touched every person's life since, has created the cause for war. The book of James says we have wars because we have lust. We lust for power and possessions and, and properties and things that satisfy our human appetite. And there comes a point where people are willing to be aggressive and oppressive and kill and terrorize to have what they want or what they believe is important. And so we have this thing called war. And God has chosen to use war as a form of judgment. And also as a form of deliverance. And for David, his ability was what set Israel free from uh, Philistine oppression and domination. He was a great king. He was a warrior king. He said, God, you, you've enabled me. You're my rock. And I want to praise you for that you enabled me to stand on the wall and preserve the nation of Israel, and protect the nation of Israel. And he says, he is my faithful love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer. He is my shield and I take refuge in him. He subdues my people under me. So man, God has enabled me, empowered me, and embraced me to be who I am. And David says, I know what I do and what I, why I do what I do. He says, I don't want to forget that. As we understand looking at today, I want you to remember some things. First of all, we need to remember the price for freedom. Don't forget the price for freedom. Remember it. There's nothing cheap at all about freedom. It is the most expensive thing we enjoy. For what we enjoy today to decide what car we'll drive, what color we like, what house we'll live in, and what church we'll go to was paid for by the blood of someone. It's been said by Randy Vader, the story of America's quest for freedom is inscribed on her history in the blood of its patriots. There's no free lunch. Remember the price for freedom. Someone paid dearly for us to enjoy what we have today. We will have an amazing weekend of making choices and, and enjoying our family and our friends and our freedom. And I do not want you to feel guilty. Don't go, oh God, I don't want to feel guilty. No, don't feel guilty. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to feel grateful. There's a difference. That you might feel grateful for what God has allowed us to enjoy and experience that costs someone something very dearly.
some their lives, some their full abilities, some their place in life. John F. Kennedy said this, Let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to ensure the survival and the success of liberty. Words that need to be remembered. See, remembering is something you choose to do. Not automatic. It's easy to forget. We choose to remember. I don't want to forget some of the stories I've heard from, from so many of our, our, our people in this church. Some have gone to be with the Lord. But I remember, and I, I want to go back. And they have days like this to go back and remember what you've been told about past wars. I remember John White talking about his experiences. I remember your dad talking about his, he and Oscar. I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget that. That is why we enjoy what we enjoy. Men that did that, many of you have shared stories. And I I think about these things. We choose to remember. And in a busy world that tries to disengage us from the reality of the cost, we don't need to forget. The price for freedom was very expensive. Do you know that as of to date, 1,423 soldiers have died in Afghanistan? In Iraq, as of to date, 4,454 have died standing on a wall. And I want us to, I think my concern is because the numbers aren't as large as they were in World War II or even in that, that what they called the Vietnam conflict was a strange term for me because 58,000 died in that conflict. That each one of these numbers represents a spouse a parent or a child or a brother, or sister, or friend. We don't even forget the price of freedom was never really cheap at all, but very expensive. And the last soldier to die in action was on May the 22nd, just a few days ago. Don't forget. For it is true that we must remember those who've given so much that we could have the freedom and joy. But that's not all we need to remember. I also want to call you to do something else. I want you to remember the promise of perfect freedom that is to come. For as we look back and realize what we enjoy, what we have, it still isn't perfect. But there is a day coming when it will. And I say to you this, as we look at this, I, I want you to know that there's the promise of complete transformation that's promised and coming one day. A, a perfect transformation of human nature and life as we know it. And the world will be a different place. I want you to know that there is also the promise of an absolute triumphant existence. That's a new world coming. We need to remember this. This is why we are the church. This is why we're still here to proclaim the truth that there's a new day coming, a better day coming, and we need to prepare for it. And some things we don't need to forget. One is why we're really here. We're not here just to 
feel good about ourselves or, or, or have our appetites satisfied. We're here to share the message of hope and eternal life to a people that are in the darkness. In Isaiah 11.6, it says, The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling will be together. The child will lead them. Can you get that picture in your mind? That all of a sudden you've got enemies forever, the wolf and the lamb, now walking side by side. One not trying to devour the other. And then you have a child who's going to lead them around. As though they were the household pet. Is that not amazing to picture that in your mind? That's not what we would see today. The young lion, look at this. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the young lion, the fowling will be together. These are predators lying down with their prey. Walking around with their prey. All of a sudden there's been a transformation of the order of the world. That's what we need to remember is coming. That's the hope of what God has promised, that one day there's a world where there will not be the predator and the prey, but there'll be peace on earth in God's new world. And even a child will walk amongst them and not be afraid. The cow and the bear will graze their young ones and they will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like an ox and an infant will play beside the cobra's pit and a toddler will put his hand in a snake's den. Talk about a different world. When a child will no longer be afraid of a snake, and a snake will no longer bite. How do I have to be afraid of a snake? That's a new world that's promised. Remember the promise of perfect freedom that's coming. A world that's free from fear and aggression and lust. No one will harm or destroy on my entire holy mountain, says God. For the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is full of water. I've got a new world coming. He says, I've got a place coming that's going to be amazing if you will just prepare to be a part of it. Micah, chapter 4, verse 3 says, And they will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. And nation will not take up a sword against a nation, for they will never again train for war. That's the promise of perfect freedom that's coming. It's our hope. And John sees it this way at the end of the Bible. In Revelation 21, 4, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death will exist no longer. Grief, crying, or pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. There is a new world coming. And that's why we're here today to prepare for that day to... Bring as many as we can, as fast as we can, to get ready for the new world. Because it is coming. And it's closer than it's ever been. For the signs of the times are all around us. Man, it is getting pretty scary. It is. Watch what's happening with the maps of countries around the world. Watch the shifting of power. The shifting of allies. And you'll see, man, the coming's close. Our new world's awaiting us. 
And while we will remember those who've died, that we can enjoy the freedom we have today, we must remember the one solitary life that hung on a cross 2,000 years ago to die for my freedom, to die for my salvation, to die for yours. That in his giving of himself completely and totally to the crucifixion and the judgment of sin and the penalty of sin, to take my place, to stand in my place, that I could go free from the judgment of sin and the penalty of sin and be forever free in a place called heaven and enjoy a new heaven and a new earth. That is what we should never forget. For all that we are is because of God's grace. And as David said, he should be praised. For he is my rock, my shield, my fortress, my refuge. Because I don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. But I know no matter what happens... God's still my rock. He died on the cross to save me for a new world. And that's my hope. And I'm just passing through here, just like you. But on our way of passing through, it's important that we remember the cross. And if you've never come to the cross, if you've never made that decision to trust Jesus, your Savior and Lord, then I would encourage you to do that today. For without him, you'll never see the new world and know the freedom he promises.